What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's your host, DJ Hamilton. Welcome to another edition to a DJ Sports Show. In this episode, we're talking about the MLB canceling its two early regular season series in the opening of the season due to the owners and players not agreeing to a deal. As I'm talking on this Tuesday, it's, there's no agree, new CBA agreement. So the early part of the season for the MLB will be canceled. And if things continue to go the way they're going, the whole season might be canceled. We into FIFA and UEFA um, banning Russia from the participating in the FIFA World Cup and UEFA competition for, to, until further notice. Get into some NBA news. What's my takeaways on what how James Harden and Beat are looking so far early on since James Harden has gotten traded to Philly? What's going on in the NBA? Talk about John Moran because he's been playing out of his mind in Memphis and he's leading that team, putting his team on his back. He's had some electrifying performances lately. He, he's in the running for MVP, and he might be arguably the best player under 25. He has reached that stratosphere of where Luka is. Like he, he's on that stratosphere now. We need to put some respect on his name. So we're going to talk about things like that and maybe talk about some other things throughout the show. Without further ado, let's get into the show, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Let's do it. Ten. Nine. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. So first I'm going to start off with soccer. And two of the most prominent soccer leagues globally in FIFA, which stands for Federation Internationale de Football Association and UEFA, Union of European Football Associations, just announced earlier this week that all Russian teams will be banned from both FIFA and UEFA competition until further notice amid the war going on in Ukraine. Um, this announcement comes just a little over a week before the men's and women's team in Spartak, Moscow, the UEFA, were scheduled to play RZ Leipzig in the Europa League in Germany on March 10th and second leg March 17th, according to Matthias Grez of CNN. This ban also removes Russia from being able to qualify for the World Cup which is set to take place in Qatar this summer. And FIFA's decision came hours after the IOC, which is the International Olympic Committee, emphasized sports organizers to, quote, not invite or allow the participation of Russian and Belarusian athletes and officials in international competition. And in the aftermath of those events, FIFA and UEFA kind of, they joined other national governments and international organizations that have punished Russia for commencing a war that have had already taken hundreds of lives and probably has taken more. Since this article came out a few days ago, probably more lives have been taken since I wrote this article on my website. And according to Yahoo Sports, the Ukraine, quote, Ukraine Health Ministry stated on Sunday that 352 civilians including 14 children, have been killed since the beginning of the invasion. This was a few days ago, so this number might be higher now. Um, and foreign officials have condemned the deadly use of force and branded it a war without a cause. And FIFA made an announcement stating, quote, football is fully united here and is full solidarity with all the people affected in Ukraine. We hope that the situation... And Ukraine will improve significantly and rapidly so that football can again be effective for unity and peace amongst people. The chastising or punishing in Russia doesn't stop there, though, as the UEFA also confirmed that it was canceling its deal with Gazprom, which is a sponsor. For you guys who don't know, it's a sponsor um, that is a Russian energy company 
that's also for, worth worth forty million dollars a year to the organization. And this decision of the UEFA canceling the sponsor with Gazprom also affects Russia's UEFA national team competitions, UEFA Champions League, and UEFA Euro twenty twenty four for them as well. And then FIFA retreated from its earlier decision after they faced backlash for allowing Russian international national, national teams to continue playing their schedules with the president of the Polish Football Association earlier calling it disgraceful. But now, since FIFA and the UEFA have been Russia, it's probably going to be a long time until the country that caused this uproar, Ukraine, will be able to be reinstated back into their respective national soccer leagues. And I don't think it's just with soccer. I think just, in reg- just around the world, genuinely, and in other sports, I don't think people are allowing people from Russia to referee games, come to the country. They're not. Apple, Apple stopped exporting goods and services to Russia and they're not allowing access to their Apple App Store. So all this stuff going on with the war is really limiting Russia's resources and hurting them since they started a war that pretty much shouldn't have been started in the first place. Uh, so yeah, that's something FIFA was going on in soccer. That's something that's, that's very... A lot of people didn't know that was going on. When I wrote this article and released it a few days ago, a lot of people didn't know that was going on, which was very interesting to me. So hope, hopefully we'll see... Oh, and and the prime, I think Russia, Vladimir Putin, who's president of Russia, uh, he just he wants to bring peace as soon as possible between these two countries, Russia and Ukraine, and stop this war. But ultimately, we'll have to wait and see what happens. How long is this war going to last? How many more lives are going to be lost before they stop? And all other factors going on. So we'll see what happens going on with the war. And I think it's going to be a long time until Russia gets reinstated to be able to play sports again. Now let's get into baseball and what's going on in the major leagues. On Tuesday, Major League Baseball billionaire owners and millionaire players failed to once again reach a collective bargaining agreement. So this means that two series of the of the opening half of the season will be canceled, which is around 90 games that have been canceled already, at the very least. And there's no clear pathway, really, and... No and no end of the tunnel in sight for the league right now because they just, they just can't come with a deal. And I've been saying this for a long time now. They just, owners and players don't see eye to eye on pretty much anything. And it wasn't for a lack of trying. Pretty Those inside and the commissioner said it wasn't for a lack of trying. And new talks haven't been scheduled yet, but there was an informal meeting today. Um, the representatives from MLB and MLBPA resumed labor talks Thursday at an informal NYC meeting. It was reported today by ESPN. And Stephen A. and Mad Dog also got heated over the MLB lockout. And and Mad Dog was talking about how the MLB has kind of gotten irrelevant. Like I've said it too. It doesn't really sell its product and its best players to a younger audience, younger generation. Like it's you have guys like Juan Soto, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Shohei Otani, who's a transcendent talent. You have Aaron Judge. You have so many great players. Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer. You have a lot of great players, and a lot of the general public don't even know their names, because you know why? The MLB doesn't do a great job of marketing their stars like the NFL and NBA do. They have a great job. They do a great job of marketing their stars. You know their faces. You know their personalities. What gets what gets them going? What makes them tick? Stuff like that. You know them. You feel like you know them personally. Like they're like you live in the household with them, some of these guys. Like LeBron James, Steph Curry. 
And then in baseball, you don't really see that. MLB Deputy Commissioner Dan Hallam and Union Attorney Bruce Meyer, who are the lead negotiators for both parties, were joined by League Senior Vice President Morgan Sword and MLBPA Attorney Ian Penny, according to sources. So the New York-based meeting lasted around an hour and a half and covered the core issues that have led the MLB to cancel the first week of the regular season games on Tuesday. There was no indication as of Thursday afternoon when they will, will meet again, but the MLBPA executive board was to hold a conference call later today. Um, with owners and players unable to agree on a collective bargaining agreement to replace the previous deal that expired way back on December 1st, Commissioner Rob Manfred had to cancel the first two series for each of the 30 teams, cutting each club's set schedule from 162 games to around 156 at most, and a total of 91 games were erased from the schedule. There were nine days of talks in Florida, and after those nine days, negotiators headed home Wednesday after the breakdown at Manfred's Tuesday deadline for a deal to preserve opening day. Baseball's ninth work stoppage was in its 92nd day Thursday and is the sport's first labor conflict to cause games to be canceled since the 1994-95 strike wiped out the World Series for the first time in 90 years. Athletes from other major North American professional leagues have voiced their support for the MLBPA in recent days, such as the NFL Player Association released a statement um, today, emphasizing that it stands in solidarity with our brothers at the MLBPA and adding that without the players, there is no game. And then the National Basketball Player Association phrased the MLBPA for its long history of sacrifice for the common good um, in a statement Wednesday night. Um, more than pure numbers are a cause of the contention. F- players have accused teams of widespread service time manipulation and are seething over MLB's increased number of rebuilding clubs, which the union calls tanking. And taking has been a big problem um, in a lot of sports over the years. Whether it's the NBA um, in 2012, 2013, 14, 15, 16. For a few years, tanking was a big problem. Sam Henke, who was the former general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers, was at the forefront of it. He was the face of what tanking was. It was, it was bad. And the NBA kind of fixed it. Even if you have the worst record in the league, you're not automatically going to get the highest chance of getting number one pick. The NBA fixed that around like 2018, the lottery, 2018 range. That draft that had Luka Doncic, DeAndre Ayton, and Trey Young. MLB, on the other hand, hasn't done anything like that. So issues such as that and the format of the postseason have been very divisive, but the luxury tax may be the single most difficult issue that the MLB is trying to fix. They proposed raising the tax threshold from $210 million to $220 million in each of the next three seasons. $224 million in 2025 and $230 million in 2026. A higher threshold likely will lead to more spending by large markets teams, such as the New York Yankees, Boston Red Sox, and Los Angeles Dodgers. And Manford cited a payroll disparity problem on Tuesday, saying there will be a significantly increased tax threshold, which will only weaken the mechanism in the agreement that's designed to promote some semblance of competitive bounce. Players are very unhappy with how the tax system worked during the last labor contract, which included surtaxes to discourage high spending. And with this continued argument going on between the two sides, we will have to wait and see what happens. As time continues to tick and if the deal doesn't come up, the games will continue to be canceled and there might not be an MLB season. So I found this interesting article 
by Bobby Burak of Outkick.com. Talking about Steve Nace's point and Mad Dog's point, how they're wrong about MLB being less popular than NBA. But MLB has higher viewers than NBA does. So this past season, the Braves-Astros World Series averaged 11.8 million viewers. And he said how Stephen A. Smith thinks that that's alarming. But he also said if that's alarming, so how come there was only 9.9 million viewers for the 2021 NBA Finals, which was the average amount of people watching? So, and then he basically kind of was like, if if that's alarming for the MLB, how come that's not alarming for the NBA? And he, he kind of went at Stephen A. Smith saying how he calls MLB's declining ratings a trend, but also saying how inaccurate it is, saying that the World Series viewership increased from 2020 to 2021. And 2020 was a record low because of the pandemic, as it was for the NBA Finals, because nobody was really caring what's going on in sports. People were trying to worry about if they're going to survive the next day, worrying about their loved ones, staying away from COVID, trying to make sure nobody catches COVID or give this, gives it to someone else, because there was no vaccine yet. So in 2020, a lot of things were on at an all-time low. So in the World Series, I drew the NBA Finals 2020 as well. It was 9.8 million viewers for the 2020 World Series compared to 7.5 million for the NBA Finals. According to Forbes, MLB generates $10 billion, which is ahead of the NBA's $8 billion. And then he pretty much went at how Smith declared MLB on life support. And then Fox News, Will Kane discussed his this dynamic with Clay Travis last summer. And Will Kane, who used to be on ESPN, he stated, quote, let's talk about why the media covers the NBA like it does. This is behind the curtains, behind the wall of sports media. The NBA is over-indexed because me- big media companies own their rights. The amount of NBA coverage you get is not reflective of the demand out there. It shows in the ratings. People don't care about the NBA like pop culture and the media want you to believe. On the opposite end of that spectrum is baseball, which generates zero discussion. And then Clay pretty much agreed with his state Will Kane statement, and he stated, "Here's why I think that is: baseball is hugely popular among the local markets, but doesn't have the national appeal." I'll give you an example. Just tossing this one out: the Atlanta Braves are way more popular than the Atlanta Hawks in the city of Atlanta, but the NBA is far more popular in the Atlanta area than Major League Baseball is on a national level. It's because, as you mentioned, well, everyone has a strong opinion of LeBron James. Not that many people have that strong opinion of Mike Trout. Mike Trout is a phenomenal baseball player, ladies and gentlemen. He's, if he was on a winning team and had some World Series championship rings to his belt, he'd probably be in the GOAT conversation. And he already is. People look at his statistics. Baseball weighs statistics more than any other sport. More than NFL more than NBA, more than NHL. People who win MVPs to Shohei Otani, his team's record wasn't that great. When your team's record is not that great, it doesn't factor in as much for awards in baseball as it does in the other three major sports. And they do have a point how the Atlanta Braves are more popular than the Atlanta Hawks. Um, the Atlanta Braves are definitely way more popular than the Atlanta Hawks. Basketball in Atlanta... Yeah, yeah, it's popular, but I don't think it's at the same level of popularity as baseball is. So they do make some great points there. So the NBA definitely has more national cachet around the world and in the USA than MLB, but it's not really a healthier league, quote-unquote, as Stephen A. Smith. They, they're disagreeing with Stephen A. Smith on his point on how the NBA is the healthier league. But in 2019, Ryan Glass-Pegel compiled a chart comparing MLB versus NBA RSN ratings in the country's seven biggest TV markets. 
And MLB was more popular in New York, slightly more popular in Los Angeles, Chicago, definitely more popular in Philadelphia, more popular in Washington, D.C., and more popular in Houston. Like, yes, the MLB has its flaws with schedule being too long, games being three and a half, four hours long. People don't have attention spans like that nowadays, especially the younger generation. We don't want to sit down for three and a half hours, four hours watching a baseball game. And that's something they really have struggled with over the years. But they, they did make a point and kind of exposed Stephen A. Smith point on how he was openly willing to derail the MLB and pretty much saying it's dead, as they did for years with the NFL. But they ignored a much bigger picture and the problems that the NBA has had over the years with the ratings declining and people not watching as much as they used to when Michael Jordan was playing, when Kobe Bryant was playing. So that was something that really stuck out to me. But um, baseball is going through. It has it has to change. It has to revolutionize its game. It has to revamp itself if they want to last for the next 50 years to 100 years. Like it has lasted already. It has lasted over 100 years in our lifetimes. If they want to continue to build on the league and get it back to where it was, they have to changed with the times. That's what the NBA has been wanting to do. That's what the NFL has been wanting to do. They have changed the rules, made things quicker, faster pace to make it more of an exciting product for us consumers who are watching the game, buying these streaming services and things like that to watch this, watch the games, watch the NFL football game. We want to see Patrick Mahomes. We want to see LeBron James. We want to see Steph Curry. We want to see Giannis Antetokounmpo. We want to see Justin Herbert with his rocket arm. We want to see all these amazing athletes do amazing things. So that was something that's really... Um, really stood out to me and I thought that was a really cool article to look at coming back from the break we're going to transition to NFL what's going on with Lamar Jackson will he extend his contract with Baltimore Ravens as his rookie contract expired at the end of the 2022-23 season Dallas Cowboys release Mari Cooper and then we're going to talk about some NBA going on Zion Williamson, the Lakers John Morant's amazing run and other news going on around the NBA. But before that, we'll take a quick break. Again, there's some NFL news. There's been rumors on Lamar Jackson, who's one of the best young quarterbacks in the league and the quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens. And he's going to be entering his fifth year now in the league. And his rookie contract, he has one more year left on this deal. And he said he, 
Quote, he's in no rush at all to sign a new contract. And if I'm Lamar Jackson, you got to look at it this way. I'm not getting on that field if I don't sign a new contract before next season starts. Because he got hurt last year. Because, you know, he he's a guy who likes to run the football. He's not one of these prototypical quarterbacks that we're used to seeing, like a Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, um, Patrick Mahomes. You got Justin Herbert. You got Aaron Rodgers, guys who are great in the pocket and have strong throwing arms and are really accurate at throwing the ball. Drew Brees in the past, he, all these great quarterbacks, present and in the past. And Lamar Jackson is one of those quarterbacks who's in the Michael Vick reign. He's not as probably as good as throwing the ball as Michael Vick was. He, Michael Vick was a little bit better probably, but the way he plays the game, the way he likes to get out the pocket and run the football, he's going to take a lot of hits. He has a skinny frame. And taking those hits kind of pile up over time. You see, over the last year or so, last year or two seasons, he's been getting a little, getting some injuries here and there. So, and he stated um, to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, and he stated Thursday, there's a couple of reasons we have seen, and this is just my read on the situation from all the information I know. We've seen players, Kirk Cousins is one, that Prescott is one. Is another use the franchise tag and the sort of shoulder shrug of maybe I'm not quite ready to do a deal yet to use it as a weapon to maximize their contract leverage. Jackson, who does not have an agent, he's representing himself in discussions and he's currently set to become an unrestricted free agent after the 2022 season. And Rappaport's comments come after Ravens general manager Eric Acosta said Wednesday that there have been no movement on contract negotiations with Jackson. In addition, he said the franchise will work at Lamar's urgency, according to ESPN's Jameson Hensley. Acosta also stated, I think it takes two sides to act- actively put their heads together and get a deal worked out. We are ready to be there for Lamar at any point when he decides that he really wants to work on it. We will be. However, DeCosta did kind of appear optimistic about the Ravens eventually coming to terms with Jackson on a new deal. And he told reporters that he believes the 2018 first-round pick can help us win Super Bowls. So Lamar Jackson, he honestly probably wants to be the highest-paid quarterback in the league. He saw the massive deal that his counterpart in in Buffalo Bills quarterback, Josh Allen, signed last August when he signed a six-year, $258 million deal after he had that breakout season in 2020-21 when he took his game to a whole new level. And he had other quarterbacks in the past recent years, such as Prescott and Patrick Mahomes, also receiving significant deals in recent years. Patrick Mahomes, if he stays healthy and completes his deal with the Kansas City Chiefs for the next decade or so, he'll have over half a billion dollars made throughout his career from that contract alone. That's not even including endorsements he's getting off the field as well. And then ESPN's Dan Graziano reported in July that Jackson could receive somewhere between $40 million and $45 million per year on his next contract. And that will put him in the same category as Mahomes, who's making $45 million a year, basically. Allen, $43 million, and Prescott, $40 million. Jackson had a below-average 2021 season by his standards. He completed 64% of his passes for 2,882 yards and 16 touchdowns. And he had a career high in 13 interceptions. He rushed for 767 yards. He was on pace to have another season of 1,000 yards rushing. It would have been his third straight, but then he got hurt. He did miss five games last season, and he struggled again in the groove when he was healthy. But if he wants to get that big extension that we're all hoping for, he needs to improve his throwing accuracy in the pocket so he could prolong his career. I don't see him playing 12, 15 years if he can't start becoming an accurate thrower of the football. 
be able to get get the passes to his teammates on point, on target. I just want to see him stay healthy, man. He's one of the most exciting players in the NFL. He's one of the players that kind of got me into watching the NFL again like that. Him and Patrick Mahomes a few years ago when I was a freshman in college in 2018, 19, no, 2019-20 when I was a sophomore, excuse me. Him and Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes won the Super Bowl that year. He was just coming off the MVP season the year prior, and Lamar Jackson won the MVP that season. He unanimously won the MVP. He was fantastic. That He was transcendent that season. So we'll see what happens with this situation in Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Will the Ravens end up giving him a massive contract? Will he negotiate with the team, sit down, and talk over the offseason before the season begins? Because if I'm him, Stephen A. Smith just said it here on first take as I'm listening to it this Friday morning. If I'm Lamar Jackson, I am not touching that football field. I'm not leaving my house. I'm calling Uber Eats. <laughs> I am not doing anything risky to hurt myself and and put myself in jeopardy of making the money I could potentially make. So if I'm him, I'm thinking of all those factors. You got to be careful. I'm not, I'm not going out there playing football with friends, streetball football and stuff like that to hurt myself, put myself at risk of getting injured. So you got to think of all these things. You got to be smart about it, intellectual about it. So we'll see what happens in Baltimore over the course of the offseason and Lamar Jackson ultimately signs that contract extension. So it was just reported earlier today on Friday, March 4th, that Dallas Cowboys are considering releasing one of their best wide receivers in Amari Cooper to kind of free up some cap space as he was due $20 million in fully guaranteed money on the fifth day of the new league year, which starts March 20th. The Cowboys designed Cooper's $100 million contract in a way which they could get out of the deal for relative pittance after two seasons. And if they cut Cooper, he would count $6 million against the salary cap, not $22 million. For a team that's projected to be more than $21 million over the cap, that kind of counts. Every single dollar counts, especially with so many unsigned key free agents, such as defensive end Randy Gregory, tight end Dalton Schultz, linebacker Leighton Vander Esch, and safety Jaron Curse. And if the Cowboys cut Cooper, they could face a lot of turnover at the receiver spot in 2022, as C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup, who tore an ACL late last season, will be expected to be back next season and Cedric Wilson are set to be free agents. So they're trying to sign all those three guys, and they won't be able to do that if they keep Amari Cooper, who's going to put a lot of money against the salary cap. And Cooper, he's a good wide receiver, but he's not a guy who's worth $20 million at the wide receiver position. That's a lot of money. Someone who's not putting on that type of production to be getting that type of pay. He finished with just 865 yards on 68 receptions with eight touchdowns in his 15 games that he played this last season. He had 200-yard games in the first seven weeks and none in his last eight games. He had three games with two inter- two receptions and one with three. He missed two games last season after testing positive for COVID-19. And those record times for the NFL Combine, like nine wide receivers had record times. It was the best running group in NFL Combine history. And if you're the Dallas Cowboys, Mark Cooper... He, how old is he? He is 27. So, yeah, he's young. But you can get a cheaper wide receiver who can probably give you around, maybe not the same exact production, but near the same same production. So, yeah, that gives you the chance to sign your main key guys, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb, and other guys like that to retain your team and try to push it to the next level. Because you guys had a pretty good regular season this year. You guys were one of the best offensive teams in the league. You were top five in yards. Throwing everything. Product- Offensively, you guys were one of the best teams in the league. And Amari Cooper, if you sign him, you're going to be losing a lot of depth on your team, especially offensively and some key guys. So try trying to get one of these wide receivers in this draft who are really fast, 
and looking like freaks of nature. Try to develop them, get them on your team, sign up for a cheap deal for like two, for like three, four years on a rookie contract. And then you have more salary cap space to sign somebody, sign some key guys on your team. So that's something I'm really looking forward to. Will the Dallas Cowboys actually release him, which I think they will. And who they end up picking in the draft so they can sign some key free agents to try to take their team to win a championship someday. Switching gears now to the NBA, I want to talk about the situation going on in New Orleans Pelicans with their franchise player, Zion Williamson, who is one of my favorite players in the league, one healthy, but he hasn't really been healthy throughout his career. I remember watching him since he was in high school at Spartan Day High and then dominating the college basketball landscape at Duke, sweeping pretty much every award you could think of. And he's been doing with a fresh right foot this season. But there's been a report by ESPN's Angel Lopez that his right foot is showing improved bone healing. The New Orleans Pelicans said in a statement on Wednesday afternoon, and they stated that Williamson will gradually progress to full weight-bearing exercises and basketball activities, but he will still remain out indefinitely. So I don't personally expect him to be coming back this season at all. This is a loss here for Zion Williamson. Um, Willie Green, the New Orleans Pelicans head coach, stated we're all pleased with the results that he's progressing, but still a long road ahead of him. He's aware of it, but he's taking necessary steps to continue to improve, and we'll see how it goes. Williamson has not played this season because of a fractured fifth metarsal in his right foot. And early on this in the season, there was some optimism that he could return, but there were setbacks in the healing, and it wasn't looking good. And there was more soreness. They had to inject another injection in his foot to help facilitate the bone healing and make it faster, but that didn't happen as well. They have they have really struggled this season, but ever since they traded for CJ McCollum, they've been playing a little bit better as of late. But CJ McCollum... He's a veteran presence. He's a guy who has consistently averaged over 20 points per game for like the last, I say, six years. Ever since he went most improved in 2016. And he's a guy, I think, who really mentors Zion Williamson on what it's like to be a pro, what you need to do to keep your body in shape, and how to win. I know he never won a championship in Portland, but he has definitely had more success in getting deep in the playoffs than any of the players on the Pelicans or Zion Williamson have experienced. So that's something I can't wait to see once Zion Williamson gets back on the court. That dynamic of him, CJ McCollum, and Brandon Ingram, who's a former All-Star and is a bucket getter, I want to see how that works out. And then the pieces around them, they can get some shooters around them, and a, guy, and a big man who could protect the rim and rebound at a high level and maybe space the floor, who they have in Jonas Avalon-Tunes. He has really improved his three-point shooting. He has modernized his game. And if the Pelicans can get a backup center for Valanciunas someday that could block shots, run the floor very well, bring energy to the team, and space the floor, they can make some noise in the playoffs someday in the future. But until Zion Williamson gets back on the court and he can stay on the court and become the player we all expected him to be coming out of Duke, we'll have to wait and see. But the Pelicans are fighting for a playing spot right now. They're 10th seed in the West as I speak today, 26 and 36. The Blazers are right on the heels, though, at 25 and 37, and the disappointing Los Angeles Lakers are just above them with one win, one more win and one less loss. But the Lakers are 2-8 in their last 10, and I wouldn't be shocked if they drop below the Pelicans, who the Pelicans beat just a few days ago by 28 points. It was 125 to, like, 93 or 95, something like that. It was... Uh, it's I don't want to talk about the Lakers. But, yeah, Zion Williamson is a situation... And there's been a lot of reports. A lot of people want to get him to the Knicks or a bigger market. That's one thing I do not like about the NBA. Why do we always have to have stars going to big markets? If that's the case, just make it six teams. It's annoying. 
I don't want to keep hearing all the time this guy's unhappy and he's being a bigger market. Yes, to be in a big market is great. Yes, you might get more notoriety and publicity, but it's not always going to result in a championship. And we've seen Le- LeBron James. Yes, he left Miami, but he went back to Cleveland. He was he he's been the, he's been the face of the league basically ever since he came to the NBA. LeBron James, and he won a championship in Cleveland. He didn't. Yes, he left, but he came back and delivered a championship. Steph Curry, the Golden State Warriors, they're not considered a big market on the levels of a New York Knicks, Brooklyn Nets, Los Angeles Lakers, Boston Celtics, Chicago Bulls. But Steph Curry has delivered multiple championships to that organization. John Morant doing his thing with the Memphis Grizzlies. He dropped a 46-piece against the Chicago Bulls the other day and did an amazing 360 turn. DeMar was coming at him. He did an amazing 360 turn in the air, controlled, finished with the right hand on the left side. You think he would use his left hand on the left side? No, he used his inside hand and finished off the glass, beautiful touch in an exhilarating fashion. And then the next night against the Spurs, he dropped 52 points. And um, it was it was... It was mesmerizing what he was doing. John Morant has been the show of the NBA. He's been the show of the NBA this season, ladies and gentlemen. He has been putting on a show every night for us. And against the Spurs, they playing. They were playing tremendous defense. They did not want him to drop 50, but they could not stop him. The way this guy could maneuver in traffic, finish with both hands. One thing about John Morant that I've loved since I watched him at Murray State, he can finish with both hands exceptionally well. Left or right, it don't matter where you force him. He's going to finish. That's what makes him so much more dangerous than some of these guys who are one-armed bandits like Julius Randle of the New York Knicks. That's what makes him so hard to guard because you, if you force him left or right, he can finish just as well with either hand. And that's why I love watching him. And that's why he's so skilled. He has he can shoot the floater with the left or right hand. He could go all the way to the rim, finish through contact with both hands. He's He has spin moves in his repertoire. He doesn't have the handles of a Kyrie or Steph. But he has good enough handles to slip his way through traffic and get to where he needs to. You're not going to stop him from getting to his spots. He's improved his jump shot this season. He's a respectable three-point shooter now. And he has a pretty good mid-range game. And I only expect him to continue to get better as he continues to progress throughout his career. And he got the Grizzlies right now, third seed in the West. And they have a chance to eclipse the Warriors, who have been struggling lately and lost to the Dallas Mavericks just last night. So... Grizzlies right now, and they have a tremendous defensive team. You got guys who are great role players as well. Desmond Bain can shoot the three, stretches the floor for John Morant. Darren Jackson is a great shot blocker. He could guard multiple positions, and he could shoot the three ball. Dylan Brooks, I think, has been out most of the season. I don't know if he's back, but I don't think he's been back, but he's been out most of the season. You get him back, you got another guy who takes some of the ball handling duties off John Morant's plate, and he can play off the ball more. Dylan Brooks can shoot the three ball as well. Anthony Melton is a great backup point guard for John Morant when he needs a breather. So these are all, this is a really good all-around team, Memphis Grizzlies. I don't think they'll make the final, I want to see if they make the finals because the Warriors to me have been showing they're very vulnerable. They don't have much size in the team and they struggle with against good teams that have great big men. They struggle against teams like the Timberwolves who they lost to recently as well. Gonathan Towns feasted on them. He scored like 39 points. They struggle against teams like Denver Nuggets, Nikola Jokic, who was the reigning league MVP. And he's he's highly having a better season this year than he did his MVP season last year. He got the Nuggets sixth in the West right now, and they're expected to have Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. back in the next month or so. And this is a team that Jokic has been carrying on his back, and they're not very talented. He's been mostly doing the work himself. 
and he's in the running for a league MVP again. 26, 14, and 8. And he's having a record-breaking PER season. He's probably going to have the highest PER in a season in NBA history. He might break Giannis's record. He's that close. That's the type of season Jokic is having. So the Warriors have really been vulnerable, and they've really been struggling. And John Morant, to me, whenever he plays the Warriors against Steph, he always puts on a show. That's why I think the Grizzlies could surpass the Warriors and make it to the conference finals, and I think they'll meet the Phoenix Suns there. I think it's going to be Phoenix and Memphis in the conference finals. Because Steph has not been really Steph ever since, like, around after he broke the three-point record in December. Yeah, he's had some games here and there, but not a consistent stretch of averaging over 27 in game. He hasn't been doing that. He hasn't been having these sick games where, like, oh, my God, this guy's unstoppable. We have seen that consistently from John Moran throughout the season. He's had something like eight straight, ten straight, 25-plus point games. He had another streak where he had, like, five games of 40-plus point points. Like, I don't know what else to say about the man. He He's a show waiting to happen. He's must-watch TV. And there's been a lot of people talking about he's the pick after Zion Williamson, similar to how Kevin Durant was the pick after Greg Oden. And the similarities is... Zion Williamson's been injured a lot throughout his career, played by injuries like Greg Oden was, who was the first pick in 2007, and the second pick, KD, in 2007, went on to become a superstar, an NBA legend. John Moran's on his way there if he stays healthy. But one thing I kind of don't like about that comparison is Zion Williamson has already proven he could be a superstar in the NBA. He had a great season last year where he was an all-star, averaging over 27 points per game on over 60% from the field. Greg Oden never showed us that. So I want to kind of pump the brakes a little bit before we call him Greg Oden because he has proven he could play at the highest level against some of the best in the league and that he's one of the best in the league when he's on the court. So that's something I want to wait and see. Can Zion Williamson get on the court and stay healthy? I hope he turns it around like Steph did because Steph had injuries early on in his career. Those who really know basketball know what I'm talking about. Steph Curry on his career had major injuries to his ankles and he missed a lot of the 2011-2012 season that really due to those angle injuries. Can Zion Williamson have a similar turnaround? Can he, yes, injuries plague his career early on, but can he eventually become durable, be able to play in a lot more games and be available for his team and become the superstar we all know he can be? That's what Steph Curry did. It happened for him, luckily. Under Armour, got him ankle braces, and the rest is history. He changed the game. Imagine if Steph Curry, if, imagine he couldn't get over the ankle injuries, how different the game will be today because he's the one who changed the game. It wouldn't be big shooting threes like they are now. I'm telling you that right now. The game would probably be more compacted and more in the paint still than it is today. But that's due to Steph Curry staying able to stay healthy, change his diet, get stronger, and become the great player he has become, the transcendent player and icon he has become. So I hope Zion Williamson could get it right, drop some weight. He needs to drop 25 pounds at least. He needs to get... For his size, to be able to keep the strength and explosiveness he has without being overweight, he needs to get around the 260 to 265 range. If he can get that chisel frame he had at Duke, where he looked like an alien. He did not look human. He didn't look like he belonged on this earth. And he was so explosive. He was he was playing against eighth graders in college. That's how different he looked in college. If he can get back to that, so I wanna see I wanna see that from Zion Williamson. We'll have to wait and see what happens with him and with Memphis. I, I I think the Memphis Grizzlies will make the conference finals if they stay healthy and continue to play the way they're playing. 
especially with the Warriors without if Jamal Green, he's been out for a while and he's been hampered by calf injury. I think he's been out for like two months now. So I don't know how he's going when he comes back and how him, Clay, and Steph are going to look again because it's been a long time. But the Warriors without a, a true big man and Wiseman doesn't look like he's coming back and he's been out all season. He's been plagued by injuries too throughout his career. I don't know if they're going to be able to make it deep in the playoffs without a legit big man who could really protect the rim, provide points and paint for them, spread the floor, and do the dirty work down there. So that's going to be interesting to see as the postseason comes, and we'll have to wait and see. And I'm excited for it. The Lakers are a mess. The Lakers are 2-8 in their last 10 games. They're ninth seed in the West right now, and they look like they're on the verge of not even making a playing game. They just look dysfunctional. They look disinterested. They don't play as a unit. The energy isn't there. The body language is terrible. Everybody's looking at each other like they don't want to play together, blaming each other, pointing fingers. This is not a collective group. This is not a group. It's not a championship group at the end of the day, with with or without Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis has been out the picture, and he's expected to be reevaluated in two weeks. They're banking on that he's going to be back in two weeks, but that's not entirely accurate. We don't know if he's going to be back in two weeks. And, uh, the Lakers are just a mess. I, I don't... Lakers, the farthest the Lakers go this season, ladies and gentlemen, is the first round of the playoffs. I love LeBron, but this team, you ain't, you ain't going deep with this team. This is not the team. This is not the year. Y'all y'all ain't going nowhere special. Y'all, get, y'all ain't getting past April, like Stephen A. Smith said. They're not getting past April. First round of the playoffs is this team's ceiling. If they get anywhere past that, I'll be stunned. My, my jaw will drop. That's how bad they've been this season. That's how bad this team has been. Lakers are just something. I, I don't know what else to say. They got swept by the Clippers, team in the basement, throughout the regular season series. Four zip. And three of those games, they didn't have Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, the two best players, two NBA superstars, two-way players, didn't have on their team. And the Clippers, the Clippers have shown they have a deeper team than the Lakers. They have... Better bench players, more more talented players starting and coming off their bench. Lakers, they have LeBron, AD, and then who else do they really have? Malik Monk is like the one guy besides Carmelo Anthony. I don't think, I don't know. I think Malik Monk starts, but Carmelo Anthony coming off the bench is the one guy who really provides anything off the bench. All the other guys can't base more, and, and Austin Reeves, like they don't really consistently do anything game in and game out. Dwight Howard, he's nothing special offensively. He's at, he's passed way past his prime a long time ago. And he gets silly fouls. He can't stretch the floor for you. He's not fully reliable at the free throw line. It's just, this team just doesn't fit together. The, pu- the pieces do not fit the puzzle. And has shown all season. And Russell Westbrook, man, he's been a mess of this team. He he just he I I said it when it happened. Russell Westbrook does not fit with LeBron James style of play. He does not. He needs the ball in his hands. He can't shoot for nothing. This is not Steph Curry. This is not Seth Curry. This is not Damian Lillard. You got even if they got Seth Curry would have been a better fit because he can shoot the ball. He he doesn't need the ball in his hands. He can come off screens, spot up shooter, and spread the floor. He would fit way better than Russell Westbrook. I know Westbrook's a way better player. I'm not saying Seth Curry's better than Westbrook. But in terms of fit, it's not even close. Lakers are just a mess. And I don't expect them to go anywhere farther than the first round of the playoffs. Now, again, switching to the Phoenix Suns. 
Phoenix Suns, six to eight weeks without Chris Paul. Man, with injured thumb. And then Devin Booker now is in health and safety protocols. I'm interested to see how the Suns finish out the season. Right now, they're first in the West. They're six or seven games ahead of the Warriors now. After that loss to the Mavericks last night, they're seven games ahead of the Warriors. And they're 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. They're 15-12 right now. And I don't see them dropping. I don't see the Warriors or Grizzlies eclipsing them for that first seed. As long as they continue to at least win every other game here and there. They pretty much have the first seed locked up. But once they get Devin Booker back and Chris Paul, their star backcourt, the Suns are my favorites to come out the West. They have the experience from last year's playoff run. Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton are two young stars in NBA, especially on Devin Booker. That got playoff experience, and now they're going to improve upon that after that finals run. I know they're hungry to get that championship after that distasteful loss in the finals last year where they dropped a 2-0 series lead and lost four straight to the Milwaukee Bucks. So I'm, I'm ready for the postseason, guys. I hope you guys are too. I'm ready. I am ready for the postseason. I'm ready to watch all these great teams play each other in meaningful games that matter. Every second, every possession in the playoffs matters. Any little mistake could be the difference between a win and a loss. From you going to the next series and from you eventually winning a championship. That's how pivotal every possession is in the postseason. Especially, I can't wait to see the Easter Conference playoffs. The East is so deep, it is crazy. It is. You got Brooklyn, even though Brooklyn has been overrated to me, and I don't think they're going anywhere. Brooklyn, ladies and gentlemen, they lost to a Heat team last night, and they this got KD back. They lost to a Heat team that had no Jimmy Butler playing, no Kyle Lowry, no P.J. Tucker. Basically, some of their main guys weren't playing, except for, like, Bam Adebayo. I don't even think Tyler Hero was playing. I don't, I'm not sure because I wasn't really watching that game, but I don't even think Tyler Hero was playing. And they lost to this team. Brooklyn Nets. I know you don't have Ben Simmons, and I know you don't have Kyrie Irving. But, man, this, te- this team is considered the championship favorites that got blown out last night in embarrassing fashion, and then Katie was angry on the bench. I'm sorry, but this ain't no team I see going to the finals. My, out of the Eastern Conference, my two picks is between the Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks. I'll be stunned if any other team out the East comes out the East to represent in the NBA Finals. If it's not the Heat or the Milwaukee Bucks, as long as they stay healthy, one of those two teams are coming out. I don't see any other team. Philly, I want to wait and see how well they do against an elite team. I know they got James Harden, Joel Embiid, but I think once they play a team like the Heat, who's really rough and tough on defensive end, and they got shooters, and Bam can switch and guard multiple positions, he's going to make Embiid guard him, man. He's going to get Embiid tired. And then you got Jimmy Butler, who can guard James Harden. You got P.J. Tucker, who's a rough rider, can guard James Harden. You got guys on that team who could give James Harden trouble. Bam out of Bowkeep and switch out and guard James Harden on some pick-and-roll possessions. Like, so, I don't know. Philly, I don't think Philly's better than Milwaukee or the Miami Heat. So, I have those two teams as my favorites to come out the East. The West is weaker this year than usual in past years. The East has kind of been the strong conference this year now. The East is the conference to really things are going to run through the west i think is just the top three teams one of those three teams at the top are making the finals between the suns warriors and grizzlies i don't see the denver nuggets making it i just don't see the dallas mavericks making it luca's great but let's be real you need a second star to make the finals you need a second star right great as you are michael jordan couldn't do without a second star 
And if Michael Jordan can't do it without a second star, damn well Luka ain't doing that without no second star. So I just don't see Dallas making it. Who else is in the West? You got the Timberwolves. Timberwolves ain't going nowhere. They ain't. I don't, I don't see Timberwolves making past the first round. Clippers, eighth seed. I think the Clippers will make the postseason. They'll beat any team in the play, and they play hard. They play hard. Those Clippers players, they play amazing together as a unit without their two main star players. So Clippers, Clippers won't get past the first round either, but they'll give a team in the first round a dogfight. Four, six, seven games. Ain't going to be no sweep in the first round against the Clippers. They have proven themselves this season that they could hang with the best in the NBA and give them a dogfight night in and night out. You're going to have to work for this win against the Clippers. That's what they have proven all season. So we'll have to wait for the postseason in April, and I can't wait to watch some of these matchups. Well, that's going to do it for the show, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you subscribe, leave a like, rate, rate it five stars. Hope you guys love the podcast. We're your host, DJ Hamilton here. And listen to me on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Anchor. Shout out the podcast to your friends, family members, anyone who likes sports, your coworkers, anyone. So I want to continue to get better, continue to grow, and reach my ultimate goal of being on a major network one day and covering the NBA for a living. So I hope you guys enjoyed the show. We get to this point. We're your boy DJ. We'll see y'all next time.